world of wrestling is rich in so many things. We have our own language, our own lingo. We have our own rich history and culture. And we even have our various types of wrestling. It's such an expansive community. We want to make sure you guys are able to fully immerse yourselves in the community. Even though there are some wacky people in there, it's still some good-hearted, kind-hearted, light-hearted fun. And I think that it's time that people understand the wrestling world. So we're going to give you guys a crash course in our community. From the history, to the lingo, to the different types of wrestling. We're going to give it to you all right now in Wrestling 101, Episode 3 of Season 1 of Down for the Count. Wrestling 101. Okay. So Dre had a listener, and she started listening to our podcast, and she was kind of leery on some of the things that we was talking about. I.e., she really didn't understand the wrestling world. So when that was brought to my attention, I was like, okay, it's our first episode back. We definitely need to do, like, a Wrestling 101 episode. So... We're going to give you a crash course in wrestling. Every community has their own language. And so I'm going to teach you how to understand the language. And Alexis is going to give you all of the history. Well, some of it, because we'd be here. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I go all, back, all the way back to Carney days. We'd be here for like about three months trying to figure out right. all of the history. So Nicole, well, Alexis is going to give you just a little piece of it. And the rest you can kind of figure out for yourself. Same with me. Same with Nicole. So because it's the history, we're going to start off with Alexis first. And then we'll go to the lingo. And then Nicole's going to give you guys how promotions and stuff work. All right. All right. All right. So if you guys ever get the chance to look at wrestling history, it's really fascinating. I kind of wish there was like a wrestling history field you could get a degree in because I'd be great in that. So Wrestling's been around since civilization has been started. Let's just say that. But the modern wrestling that we know now didn't start till post-Civil War. So sometimes in the, sometime around the 1860s, 1870s with the carnival sideshows. A lot of the times the wrestlers would be these amateur wrestlers just trying to get a paycheck. And the carnies would be the promoters and the bookers. Pretty simple. It's actually the same formula they pretty much use nowadays. Around the carny times, that's when the character creations and the fake background stories started coming around to pull the to pull the extra, you know, get that extra money for the people coming to the carnival because people like that kind of over what's the word overindulgent on a creator wrestler. Um, mm-hmm. Around in the late 19th century, they actually started having what's called athletic shows or at shows where and you would. You would see this because this became a very popular thing. Wrestlers would show up and challenge the um, people coming to see the show. So it was a very high gambling stakes thing because you would see where they would go. Like you would, you know, it's like the old cartoons. They would go open challenger. People would get in the ring, get their ass whooped by a athlete, and then they would leave. Like if you survive five minutes with Curly Joe here, you get like five bucks or something like that. I don't know. Um, it wasn't until about the late 20s, late 30s, that kayfabe was kind of brought into everything. Um, kayfabe, for you, for wrestler fans who are just getting into it, is we know wrestling is fake, but it's also predetermined. 
That's what kayfabe is. Kayfabe is kind of like the, is it, it real? Is it not? It's real, but the storylines are fake. So pretty much it's a huge open secret, but shh, don't tell the kids. Um, <laughs> 1940, and I'm leaving out a lot of stuff. I'm trying to condense this super fast, so if I'm going very fast, I'm sorry. Um, 1948 is a big, a big year for wrestling. Um, it's when the National Wrestling Alliance was first formed. Um, and from and as always, even now, wrestling has always been planned around those who can draw names and, of course, bring in the money. Uh, 1950s roll around, everybody gets a home television, and the golden age of wrestling is being simulcast in homes, and people can watch it. And it was really big simplification. Um, 1960s, the American Wrestling Association started. Um, this actually, fun story that I picked up was one of the, this was one of the promotions started in the 1960s due to the NWA being seen as the promotion that's holding everybody back. Because again, you said it before, wrestling is always changing, it's always evolving, and they saw NWA holding it back, trying to keep it old school. So for all you people who are like, all these movies are ruining wrestling. We're not. We're trying to make it better. You want know to really cool that I found out? What? They, they actually said Harley Race, one of the greatest wrestlers to ever climb between those ropes, were going to ruin the business because he was too new fashioned for the wrestling world. Yeah. You believe that shit? No, I believe it. I'm not surprised. Yeah. And then the 1970s roll around, and out of Stanford, out of New York, comes the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, which we know better today now as World Wrestling Entertainment. And then out of nowhere, the 1980s hit, and it is the explosion of wrestling. Everybody and their brother watched wrestling back in the 80s. Um, unfortunately, this was a really sad time for wrestling as well, because Vince, it was the rise of Vince McMahon. Um, he bought the company from his ailing dad, and he basically caused all the territories to dissolve. He was grabbing the biggest talent names he could get. Um, Hulk Hogan did not start in the WWE, much like people like to say he was part of the American Wrestling Association. And Vince pretty much stole him and from a couple other places. Uh, Roddy Piper, Jeff Dog, pretty much did the... Uh, get you out of there, come over here, you'll show up on my TV tomorrow tomorrow afternoon. Mm. Um, but, and also in the 80s, however, started the rise of Georgia Championship Wrestling, which turned into Jim Crockett Promotions, which then turned into what we now know as, uh, formerly known as World Championship Wrestling, or WCW. And now this, this has actually been kind of um, said yes and no to. Apparently, in the 1980s, began the first person to use the term sports entertainment. However, they're saying that term has been used since the 1930s with the Carnies. So I'm not uh, entirely sure. Um, I kept finding stuff that would say Vince said it, and then this said it, Vince said it, this person said it. So I'm just going to say that's when it started to be used. Um, and then, of course, the 80s is the rock and wrestling, where they get involved with MTV. You have the big guys like Andre the Giant come in, WrestleMania starts. Then the huge explosion in the 90s with the Attitude Era. And brings us to where we are today. 
That's my fault. That was good. It was, it was quick. She covered as much as she could. We like that. Good job. Yeah, that good was job. good. Wrestling okay. history is really freaking fun to read about, man. Like especially like the Simon Gotch and just how like everything came to be with the Carnies, and it's just it's so fucking cool. And honestly, if, if there's a college with a wrestling historian program, please let me know. I will give you all my money. No, you can just do that on your own and you call yourself you a wrestling historian. Mm-hmm. You know what? Yeah, I would not tell. Huh? I would kill to work with that guy in the archives. Yeah, there's like a couple videos of that guy. He used to work for the Smithsonian. I can't say that word, but he is the, I think he's the only archivist they have, but he is archiver for WWE. Wow. Because I don't know if anybody knows, but I'm pretty sure they're in these new offices, but WWE has new offices. I'm pretty sure they completely moved in by now. So they're using, so rumor has it, they were going to turn that the old office, because they still own it, going to put everything in there like more organized, museum-like, and then they're also going to do, they're also going to have a lot of the network stuff there too. Hmm. Now see, if they opened up a WWE museum, I'd go to that shit. I don't know why they yeah. don't. They make money. Yeah, because all that stuff is just sitting there. It could be taken care of, kept in pristine condition. Well, it that's is. That's a good that's idea. That's why he's there. Well, that's why the guy's there. That's a good idea. And you could be employing a lot of people. It could be in Connecticut since that's where y'all at. WWE better jump on that shit. Yeah. Another Which billion is dollars. funny. So, you know the um, 2K commercial that Seth did where he destroys all of the old memorabilia. Please don't remind yeah. me of that. Yeah, so the, guy who, so the guy who was fixing that, that's the guy from the Smithsonian, who, who the archivist. And they were oh. talking about how he was, like, freaking out, even though it's, like, only the replica stuff, but it's still, like, put him yeah. on edge. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so... Sometimes wrestling, the wrestling community has its own language. And there are a few terms that maybe somebody who's on the outside looking in who wants to learn about wrestling or wants to understand it would not necessarily catch or get when it comes to wrestling. So I'm just going to stick to the stuff that we use now because from the research I found, I mean, there was a lot. There was a lot of stuff that was said back in the day and versus now, some of those terms aren't used anymore. So I'm just going to stick to the stuff that you would probably hear on our podcast and on various other podcasts, as well as on the shows and promotions. So like Alexis mentioned before, kayfabe is a word that is thrown around a lot. Probably one of the most used words in our community. And kayfabe essentially means to keep up appearances. It is to remain in character. So if a storyline is going and someone is out and you're, you stop the watching the show and you see that same person out in public, if they were still living the kayfabe, they would continue the character that you see 
on television. So essentially, kayfabe, storylines, those terms just mean character, script, storyline. It is all about what you're seeing when you watch the TV show. Wrestling in itself is simply just a show that tends to have, that has fights involved in it. So think soap opera to the extreme form, because if you were a kid like I was and your mom used to watch One Life to Live or um, what is it, General Hospital still on TV now, they used to watch Days of Our Lives, you saw eventually they would have the soap opera slap where one girl's mad because the other one's sleeping with the other one's husband and they get slapped and all you would see is their face swing across the screen. Essentially, wrestling is that. It's just much more choreographed. It's streamlined and it's tightened so that when you watch the matches, you can fully immerse yourself in the product. And it's not just about the, the fake aspect. I wouldn't necessarily call wrestling fake. I would say it's a scripted, choreographed television show. And that's the best way to explain it. So, let's move on to some other terms. Um, on our show, you hear a lot with booking and someone who's getting booked. Booked means the match, how the matches are set up. So, which super superstars will compete compete against who? And the booker is usually a promoter. So somebody who is at, is over setting up the matches. Sometimes that can cross between someone who owns the company that you're watching as well as someone who books the matches. And sometimes those are separate jobs between certain companies. So in WWE, the booker may not necessarily be Vincent Kennedy McMahon, but we all know that Vince has his hand in just about everything that happens in WWE. So, mm-hmm. it's it's interchangeable title in any type of wrestling promotion. It just depends on how large the promotion is or how small it is. So, if it's a smaller one, you probably might have someone pulling double duty. If it's a bigger one, you might have a person in each job. Moving on. Um, botch is another term that is used a lot. And basically it just means when you see someone mess up in the match. So if someone falls accidentally or you're not seeing punches connect um, like they're supposed to, somebody might be in the corner and they're mimicking getting hit, but no one's touching them, that's a botch because you should see the foot connect at some point or it should be close enough to where you can't tell that they're not getting hit. Okay? So it's a botch is when something goes wrong in that match. Mm-hmm. Moving on. A bump, a hard fall, or a landing. It's when somebody falls on the mat, falls on the ground, or they get hit and they get they hit the ground. That's taking a bump. To bury someone is to make someone look bad or to make them job. Now, that correlates with how they're being booked. So some of these terms roll up in all together. Just with the with the bearing thing, um, a lot of the times what you'll see is that a wrestler, this could happen, and we have seen it happen, where a new wrestler comes in and they're full of piss and vinegar and they're winning the crowd over and everyone likes them. But all it takes is one guy with pool in the back to use politics and the next thing you 
no, this guy is like, you, you've never seen him again, or they're on main event, or they're just getting their ass whooped like every week. Like, right. what happened? So it's like that, that is when you're getting buried. But it, it can but it can also be changed to someone who isn't necessarily a guy who's getting a lot of pop. So case in point, if you've ever watched wrestling, then Kurt Hawkins would be a great example of someone being called a jobber, but he could also be looked at as someone who is being buried. Because he had such a hefty loss streak that they even turned it into part of his gimmick. So bad for Kurt it, Hawkins. I mean it, and Sometimes the terms are interchangeable, but it's very simplistic to understand. If you watch, you'll you'll and you get the terms. So what I'm gonna do is, even though I'm explaining some of this stuff, I'll post it on our Down for the Count Instagram in photos, so you guys can actually see what the terms mean. That way, when you watch the show, you can actually understand it, and it's not so difficult to catch what's going on. So, moving on. As I said, the job part of that to get buried is also job can correlate with that. So you might hear the word job or jobber. And that sometimes refers to someone who is on a constant losing streak or they are constantly trying to help another wrestler look great, which correlates with the term to put over. Okay. We're going to move into some other things. So to call a match sometimes has two different definitions. To call a match is to dictate choreography of a match. So sometimes, that's what I mean when I say it's a well-choreographed show. When you watch the show and you'll see wrestlers' mouths moving because the, the camera is a little too close, they're calling the match during the match. They're telling the person, we need to go here, we need to go there. That's the choreography aspect of it because it has to be practiced so that it flows nicely, number one, and number two, so that it actually it looks like a real match, okay? Uh-huh. Sometimes, though, calling a match can be referred to through the commentators, like Corey Graves and Michael Cole. I've seen some people use the term calling the match, referring to who's on commentary. It depends. I choose the term that it originated from. I understand that calling a match is strictly meant for the people in the ring. But some people utilize it when it comes to commentary. It depends on who is defining the term. All right. So let's make this a little simpler. The card is basically just your match lineup. So it's similar to boxing and any other sport like UFC or, um, like I said, boxing. And you have a card. It basically tells you who's going to fight on this particular day. It's the very same thing when it comes to wrestling. A dark match is essentially a match that isn't televised. It might happen at live shows or house shows. It's just something that isn't seen widely in the mainstream. It's something that's done when for the, only for those who who were there. That's why it's called a dark match because it's it's not on television. Moving on, chain wrestling. Chain wrestling is used to establish. Um, it's basically meant to show you how both wrestlers are good. They're both equally matched. 
that's what you see when you see them doing a lot of moves, flips, or they're battling back and forth, and then they stop and they're sizing each other up. That's called chain wrestling. Dirt sheets, we say that a lot on this podcast. That refers to the blogs and newsletters and websites that report the news, rumors, and other bullshit, okay? So that would be Wrestling Observer, Wrestling um, Inc., um, Sports Kita, sometimes Sports Illustrated. All of those guys are considered dirt sheets. So when you think about dirt sheets, I would say think People, Us Magazine, um, if you're a little bit more hood like I am, think like The Shade Room, <laughs> okay? Um, National Enquirer. Wendy Williams, stuff like that. People who report on pop culture, it's the very same thing for the dirt sheets when it comes to the wrestling community. Freebird rule. The Freebird rule, it refers to a group called the Freebirds. Back in the day, they were a three-man group, and they were tag team champions, and they decided that because they were under the moniker of the Freebirds, that any three members could defend the title at any given time. And this is the rule that the New Day currently operates under. If Xavier was there, it would be interchangeable for them to switch out Big E, Xavier, or Kofi with the tag team titles. Future Endeavored. So, this one, I, I this one was my favorite one because I, I honestly didn't know anything about this until WWE started like announcing people's releases on Twitter and Instagram, which I kind of think Future Endeavored. Yeah, which is a little disrespectful, if you ask me. But it basically means you're fired or you've been released. Um, It's usually ending with good luck or all the best in your future endeavors. And it's just their way of being dicks about letting you go. Um, I don't think they essentially meant it to mean that in the beginning, but I remember when John Laronitis was, um, I think he was, the general manager of Raw at one point, when they had the people power, he was yeah. using it a lot, and it became relevant because of him, which Someone makes a lot of sense. Someone just that off drop. <laughs> <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Um, a gimmick is the character persona that you see on television. So just about every wrestler has a gimmick. They have a character that they're portraying. So a gimmick, is, when people say gimmick, they're just talking about this person's persona, what they're selling you. I, we've used the term green before, and green is an inexperienced wrestler. It just means you, you're not performing at, at peak performance, or you literally are new. So you're inexperienced, and that's what they mean by green. Heat. Heat is a notable response from fans and live crowds. And usually a uh, heat is when the villain draws it. Any response that a hill of villain can draw is usually referred to as heat. On the contrary, a pop usually is when somebody comes out and the crowd reacts to them in a massive way. So they may get a pop for something that they say or a pop for something when they come out there, but they can get a big pop for it. It can also be interchangeable with heroes and how they come out. So if a hero gets a good pop, they usually call it a pop. They won't say that the hero is drawing heat. Okay? Now, there's cheap heat. 
you hear Alexis say cheap heat a lot because she doesn't like when you bring children into the storyline, which to me, it's a fine line with it. I don't like it sometimes either. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Cheap heat is usually the most obvious thing you can say to draw somebody in to have them shout obscenities or be upset with you. So usually a villain will go to a city and talk bad about the city. Elias was good for doing stuff like that. Every heel does it. They'll say, I'm not going to wrestle in this piece of shit town. That's cheap heat. A good example of cheap heat is Sasha Banks going after Lacey Evans' daughter. An example of a pop is when a seven-year-old almost knocked the shit out of Sasha Banks. (laughs) Exactly. The Indies basically is just short for independent. To me, Indies is anything that's not mainstream. And independent wrestling is an industry. That's where most wrestlers come from. A mark. Now, we had a whole episode on what a mark was and what it means to be a mark. And basically, this definition says... A mark is a wrestling fan, not clued into the reality of wrestling. So basically, you have essentially took kayfabe for faith for the the gospel. You don't think that it's not real; it's real to you. It means something to you. It's 100% factual to you. And they have different variations of a mark. So you might hear the word smart, and smart is someone who is in on the kayfabe, but doesn't speak about wrestling from knowledge or experience. So they understand that wrestling is fake and there are some, well, not necessarily fake, because I hate when you say fake, because I don't think any of us could really do the job that half of these people do effectively. We'd Mm -hmm. all be in here with broken backs and fucked up necks, so to say it's fake is a little insulting, so let me rephrase it. It's choreographed, so someone who is knowledgeable of wrestling is just simply smart, and that is the term that is used. So you have a lot of marks, a lot of smarts, and then you have a lot of smart people. Now, one term I thought was interesting was this one. It says it's New York, a term for going to the WWF or WWE, and it came from the territorial days. So back in the territory days, WWE was, you know, top tier, and going to WWE meant, you know, you were going big time, so they would say, I'm going to New York, and people in the wrestling community knew they were headed to WWE, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, The term over means you just, you've gained the popularity of the fans. Um, In turn, going over is the act of you know, someone helping you to gain the popularity of the fans. You want a match that puts you at the top of the respect for from the fans. So the fans are in love with you now because of this particular match. And then to put over someone is to make the opponent look good, to give them the pop, number one, and number two, to gain that push. Moving into push. <laughs> It means you move to the top of the car. Having a push, it's it's either slow or it's immediate. So a push makes you be relevant. It means you've gained the opportunity to possibly be a title holder or to have a popular rivalry. That's a push. Um, 
A promo is a monologue or an interview. Is someone speaking? That is a promo. Wrestling is a southern uh-huh. way of. <laughs> it's a southern no, term. You said it wrong. You said it wrong. You said it wrong. It's wrestling. Oh, oh yeah, Jesus! Wrestling. She's so stupid. <laughs> wrestling is. It's. it's Wrestling is a southern term for wrestling, so it's just it's just a country way of saying wrestling. Um, a receipt, a receipt is someone getting revenge. They're getting some get back from either getting hit or punched or taken out. I never heard of that one before. What? You never heard receipt? I've heard. Is it like I've never heard receipt before. I've I've heard like I got the receipts, but I've never heard them saying like. Oh, it's 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 Bailey getting receipts on Tamina. Like, never heard it I've before. I've heard her say that back in the back in the day. I've heard it. A ring rat, like we said the term ring rat before. That's a hoe. Like, if you ever heard, <laughs> you ever heard of a lot lizard? It's somebody who hangs around wrestling promotions to 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 fuck the wrestlers. Essentially, some of them are looking to get the bag. Some of them just want to say they fucked the wrestlers, and some of them really are hoes. Like some of them really want to be paid, so they they hang around to get a wrestler's a piece, and you know they pretty much. Ring rats can be men and women, so don't think we're just saying it because of women. They there's been documented history of male ring rats too. So. No, there's male ring rats. It's just more. Okay, I'll say it this way. It's common knowledge. It's more common, and it's more prevalent to associate a woman as a ring rat, but that's not always the case. Okay? That better? That make, yes. that make it sound better? Okay, awesome. I just, I didn't want anyone come and saying, oh, you guys are, are pigeonholing double, uh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, she said, and I, 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 I second that motion. <laughs> no, we gonna move forward. Um, well, can, can I just say one more thing about the ring rats because I find that a very interesting subculture yeah sure they go in hard man like they will do everything to get senpai's attention I don't know why <laughs> like, um, I follow MJF on Twitter because if we're speaking to kayfabe he never breaks it so that is a very uh, good example right there he doesn't yeah. no he doesn't Um, but he will post like uh dms from girls saying hey how you doing hey let me hit you up hey i heard you're gonna be in this town and i'm just like damn y'all are some fucking thirsty bitches like you can't fuck somebody in your neighborhood why he's mjf they want to fuck mjf i i know but it's just like i i think (sighs) ring rats have always been interesting to me it's like they will do anything to get that dick and I'm just like that's, that's no different from any other industry. It's no different from when um movie stars are out there. It's no different from rappers. Rap you rap culture? Oh. Oh. These bitches have no filter. You think ring rats are bad? There's a there's a bitch right now in the rap game. What is her name? Oh my God! She literally waited until Offset, and so I think her name is Selena Powell. She waited till Offset oh, and Cardi got married. 
and went and told everybody she was pregnant by him, then admitted that she never got pregnant. Now, she out here telling everybody her and Snoop Dogg had, had fucked, told everybody how they went, how they had sex, what, what? he yeah, did, he off how of her. he snort coke off her butt. I was like, God damn! Yeah, you have to. I mean, her, and then if you're gonna go way, way back, like let's go all the way back. Like Cat Stacks used to tell everybody's fucking business. Oh, she yeah. started it. She started it. She started putting motherfuckers' phone numbers on YouTube and Twitter. What? I'm telling you, you ain't seen shit yet until you start rolling in the video model world of rap music. Hip-hop culture is the mess. It is I, so messy. I thought I'm so here for all culture. of it. I'm here for it. I'll be sitting up there like, oh, bitch, that's some messy shit. <laughs> One of my friends used to work security, and uh, there was like a some metal band, like Five Finger Death Punch or something like that. And these guys are a fucking ugly as sin. Like, no. Like, <laughs> he was telling me these girls were fighting each other just to try to get backstage, like a legit fucking fist fight. I'm not surprised. I've yeah. seen worse. Like, yeah, seen- I, I remember the days when B2K was at the height of their career. And here in Cleveland, that was right when they had, um, You Got Served had dropped. And I think we was in high school when you guys came That's out, right? Back. Look, when every time that they had concerts in every city, bitches was fighting. And when I say fighting, we talking weaves was being found on the ground, okay? They was yeah. scrapping at the movie theater because one girl shouted, oh, Marianne, that's my husband. And the other girl was like, bitch, that's not your husband, that's my husband. These hoes started fighting. What? They had to call the police. They had to call the police. That was at the debut of the movie. When it dropped, when it came out, they had yeah. to call the police because these hoes was downtown fighting over who was on Marianne's, who was on Marianne's wife. And that's <laughs> no lie. I thought the boy I, band fights were the worst. God damn. Shit. No. No. Then, let me give you the little grown woman version. Okay. Here in Cleveland, you go downtown, you go in Tower City. That was the spot for a long time was to go to Tower City. And the stars, when they would come to the city, they would go to downtown Tower City, because Tower City had everything, okay? That's where Champs is at, that's where Foot Locker is at, that's where the food court is, the big, vast food court. They you always see famous there. people at Tower City. Always. Now, Genuine came to Tower City, and I kid you not, I was in high school, I ain't gonna never forget this shit. These bitches, in Tower City, it has offices upstairs. So on the first, second, and third floor, those are all the businesses. Food, clothing, like, you know, candle company, and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff is all on those first couple of floors. These hoes came from upstairs, in the office building, stampeding like a herd of heifers, just running downstairs to get to Genuine, and some nasty bitch stole his taco and his taco paper, and he was mauled. 
They had to get him out of there. Fuck, and I was man. like, I was like, did you steal his taco? They, the bitch stole yeah. his taco. I forgot about oh, Tower City God. being wild. That's so long ago, though. Uh, see, I would have for taking my taco. <laughs> when well. I was in high school, that's what we did. We left high school, we left college, we left school, and we would just go straight to Tower City because we had to. All the buses was funneling downtown. So that's how we would get home because most of us either lived on the east side or the west side, and some of us didn't live around the school. So we had to go downtown to catch the bus to go home. We would go downtown and we would see celebrities all the time. And that time, I just could not fucking believe it. And I was it. I don't think I was dating my husband at that time. Me and him was just best friends. And it was the craziest thing we had seen downtown. And I think we saw Angie Stone down there once. And she told us to be quiet. Because I was like, hey, that's Angie Stone. She was like, yes, but don't tell nobody. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> cool. I ain't going to tell nobody, but I saw you. I saw you. <laughs> Man, I have one ring rat moment my entire life and I really wish I acted on it before I got married and all that good stuff. Who was it with? Okay, so this is when I lived in Florida and it was a WWE show. It was I forgot if it was Raw or SmackDown. I forgot. And and, um, I was with my um, shitty ex-boyfriend at the time and it was I was just having, like he was being a complete dick the entire night and it was like completely ruined it for me. And um, I was just, and you know, Batista, well, anyway, Batista was there, and I was really excited, because I think that's when he was, like, he was champ at the time, or something like that, and I was really, <laughs> I was really excited to see him, and then, you know, my ex, because he's that control of kind of abusive asshole, oh, you think Batista's hot, don't you? I said, yeah, I fucking think I do. You're the one who just had a, basically, jizz in your shorts over Kelly Kelly, shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> that was a fun ride home. So we go around the back because, you know, at WWE events, sometimes you can go around back and see the wrestlers leave, which is really fun because, you know, you see them leaving and it's actually them and they're really cool. Um, If you ever get, I'm just going to be honest, Big Show is one of the sweetest people when he leaves. He'll like sign autographs for kids and he'll wave to people, but don't, don't piss that man off. Uh, He he scares me. Um, So anyway, (laughs) we're there towards the end because, you know, we're being, we're not being like one of those assholes because I saw women doing this. They were trying to jump the gate. They were trying to grab the wrestlers. They were like, you know, notice me, senpai. You know, all that shit. Oh, God. And I'm just like, you know, and they're just, I mean, they're dressed like they're going to fucking, there's a strip club. If anyone in Tampa knows about this, it's Mons Venus. And it's one of the most famous strip clubs in the world. And it's on Dale Mabry. Tampa represents strip club capital of the world. Thank you very much. And um, (laughs) I come from high places. What can I say? Um, and I mean, it looked like they got off the pole, came to wrestling and they got to go back. And, you know, I'm just like, oh, God damn. You know, so here comes, I will fucking remember this for the rest of my life. Here comes fucking Batista on a crotch rocket. And this was like the mid 2000s. So we were all dressing kind of weird at that point. (laughs) He's wearing these tight ash jeans. He's on a crotch, like a red crotch rocket. He's got these tight fucking jeans on that show everything. Timbaland boots. Oh, yeah. Timbaland's classic. And he had, like, <laughs> really tight gray shirt under. He was wearing a tight gray shirt. And he had this bomb-ass leather jacket on. And he had his sunglasses on and, like, a like a little and a gray beanie. 
and he rolled up right next to me and he looked up at me and smiled and revved the engine. I was like, oh, now I know why these girls are trying to jump the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. He looked at me and he revved the bike and the girl next to me goes, oh my. And I'm like looking around. She goes, he's looking at you. And I'm like looking around because I'm not dressed like, you know, like at all. I'm just wearing jeans and like a baggy ass from wrestling shirt and you know light makeup or whatever and he's just pulled up looking right at me revving and I'm like and he just kind of like gives me the cocky side head and I'm like oh fuck what do I do and before I could do anything he drove off and I'm like damn it Alexis you should have tried it (laughs) (laughs) I want to jump there okay fuck that And my boy, like my boyfriend at the time, was standing right there, and he was like being a total ass. And he like told me, he goes, "Where'd you jump that?" I said, "Fuck yeah, Batista, come back!" I jumped it. Fuck that. I got me some dick that day. God, right at me, and that is a handsome man. Dear God. Hell yeah, I did did that shit 100. Never look back. I regret it every single fucking day. <laughs> like, like I, I could have sold like goddamn. <laughs> yeah, uh, you should regret it. You should regret it. I'm I'm gonna make fun of you now for a long time because you didn't do it. Anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna give you shit, Dan. I wouldn't be me if I didn't. All right, so <laughs> let's move on to some other stuff. So ring rust is is being it means that you're out of shape or you're having a hard time fulfilling the moves in the ring. Um, to sell is to respond to an opponent's attack. Um, a spot is any move during a match or a sequence of moves that make up an identifiable move um, or it's used in reference to the planning of a move and, or rather a sequence of moves. Um, a squash is a short, inconsequential match. It's used to showcase one wrestler, and it also correlate, correlates with being a jobber and being buried. Um, a swerve is a twist in the storyline. So a more recent um, example of a swerve would be Randy Orton. Randy Orton sold that knee injury for a while, at least two or three days. And when it came down from Monday Night Raw... He shocked us all. <clears throat> Pissed me off because I thought he was really injured. But um, <laughs> he shocked us all and basically was just like, I'm not injured, but I know how to pull your ass in. He really fucked AJ Styles up. He just yeah. mind fucked the shit out of him. So that that was a good swerve. It really was. Because I was like, oh, it was so good. It was so well crafted. It was done beautifully. And I was like, you know what? I, I got to give it to you, Randy Orton. I got to give it to you. A territory is a regional wrestling promotion. Um, Transitional champion is a term we say here on the podcast a lot. And it's basically when a wrestler holds a championship solely for the purpose of shifting the title from one champion to another possible, to another champion. So another wrestler is basically a, a placeholder for the title until they get the guy they want. Could that also um, be the paper champion? No, I, I, not necessarily. No, because no, a paper, paper champion is just shorter. Yeah, it's somebody who's 
who was a fly by night. I wouldn't necessarily call them transitional. Transitional would be kind of like what Sasha was for Alexa Bliss or like um um initially how Asuka was because Asuka was a transitional champion. She got the belt and then a couple months later she ended up dropping it to Charlotte. So I would say she was a transitional champion with the title. Um a turn is switching between heel and face, usually, or, you know, vice versa. So if somebody is doing something good or they've decided to change from being a villain, you'll see that. Um, and a tweener is a wrestler who occupies the middle ground between a heel and a face. So a heel usually is a bad guy, somebody who is all about self and they're doing what they want to do to advance their career, including injuring someone kayfabe wise, possibly, you know, doing some fucked up shit to mess people up. So a heel, a good example of a heel would be AJ Styles. Right now, Seth Rollins is a big heel. Um, um, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler. Bobby Roode, those are heels. Faces are usually people who will do the right thing. Oh, and of course, Bray Wyatt. Faces are usually people who do the right thing. So someone like Daniel Bryan, The Usos, Roman Reigns. On Raw, you would have someone like Rusev, um, uh, Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, The Big Show right now. Those are faces, the guys who essentially are doing it the right way. Heels are the ones who do it the bad way. Then you have tweeners who are people who are in between. For a long time, Roman was a tweener. Sometimes he would do stuff that would be considered a face. Sometimes he would do stuff that would consider him a heel. It depends on the wrestler and the persona he's portraying at the time. So, those are all the terms I got for you because if I said anything else, we'd be here all fucking night. Hey, what's up, everybody? I hope you guys are enjoying the episode so far. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms. We are only available on Twitter and Instagram. And for this special episode, don't forget to follow our special guest, AT2Real, and make sure you guys check out his podcast on anchor called talk the real deal it's a really cool podcast he talks about everything always has multiple guests and even yours truly your girl tiffany has been a guest so you guys make sure you check out his podcast don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms and follow our friend dre too and we'll see you guys back in the episode i hope you guys are enjoying it it's our first time back and we really really were excited so thank you so much for listening and Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, so I'm going to, this is a lot of information, so I'm going to attempt to condense it as much as possible. So um, I had basically different types of promotions and um, also, I will go into the more popular forms of wrestling that you would see today. So how I base off the promotions, this isn't like everyone will argue, but this is just how I see it. 
So the first tier of professional wrestling is WWE. No matter what anybody wants to say, that's what it is. Obviously, I'm not going to go into that because you guys, people who are listening to this, are familiar with WWE. Um, I'm not also going to get get into ECW and WCW because they have both been defunct for a number of years. And I feel like this just, again, you shouldn't, and this is going to sound like really shitty, but you should know what ECW and WCW is, sort of. I believe it's been since they did that. Huh? It's been 20 years since the, uh, since both of them closed down. Yeah. So I'm, I, there's no point in me getting into that because it's not like they're going to ever come back. So, my first, so, WWE is the first tier, if you want to look at it like a tree. So, WWE is the star point, and then you have other promotions fickling down. So, the second tier main promotion is AEW. Used to be Impact, but I will get into that. So, Again, I won't get too much into AEW because I feel like people are are a lot more familiar with it, but it's officially been started for a year now. Um, president, president CEO is Tony Khan, and then you have the very important people in charge, as which are Cody, Young Bucks, Kenny, and Brandy, and they are the infrastructure. Infrastructure, oh, are Excuse me for the yawn. The structure of AEW wrestling, along with Jericho, helping there here or there. Still pretty new. They still need to get their shit together. Some avenues, but I'm, that's not the time or place for me to go all over it. And then we have the lower second tier. So, like I said, mentioned earlier, Impact technically was the first one. But since um, AEW came and they kind of, and they're actually on the main network, they kind of kicked them to the curb. Um, Impact, it was formerly known as TNA, because you'll see a lot of us um, say TNA and Impact or just TNA because they're within each other. So it kind of doesn't matter, but it technically is Impact. Um, Founded. It was founded 18 years ago by the Jarrett brothers, and it's more, um, they were leaning to be more of a sports orientated. They kind of started off the, um, they're one of the people who uh, made the hexagon ring very famous. That was something Jeff Jarrett was um, adamant about, so it could be more um, sports-like. more sports like MMA because that was his vision originally of TNA Hmm. oh I see it's interesting Hmm. so we have TNA so obviously it's more of a sports orientated more it's switched over to impact right now and that's my opinion the higher of the second tier and then you go on to Ring of Honor, and Ring of Honor is a mess right now. <laughs> I won't hold it <laughs> nice too much against them right now. Again, another promotion 
it's been around 17, 18 years. Um, the founder is Ron Reisstein and quite, and the funny thing about Ring of Honor is a lot of prevalent WWE stars came for Ring of Honor, such as Daniel Bryan, Nigel McGuinness, mm-hmm. and then Adam Cole, Roger Strong, Mojo, Samoa Joe, mm-hmm. Adam Cole, and then you also have people like the Briscoes who have been there for five million years who are still there, and then you have like the Austin Aries. But the also fu- the also funniest thing about Ring of Honor, they technically hold the sole rights to all in, which is AEW's first go at a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And they are not letting go of that anytime soon. I don't blame them. Really? So how were they able to do the all-in pay-per-views before they became a full-on promotion and marketed them that way? It was marketed through Ring of Honors distributing company oh okay hmm. so, so that's Ring of Honor got able... a little piece of that yes they did that's probably oh, how they've been shit. able to stay afloat smart gotta give it to them on that one mm-hmm. and then we also have which is some might consider this is more of the holy grail of wrestling and you start getting into New Japan. New Japan is again more sports oriented very serious um, the crowd the crowds and Japanese people in general take professional wrestling very serious and it's also another place where it's viewed as the sport itself not just wrestling mm-hmm. yes. I consider New Japan one of the, the top one of the top tier companies they are but if you want to go like American audience wise, it technically was Impact before AEW came. Um, New Japan is is popular amongst wrestling fans in America, but it's not mainstream. So that's why I didn't consider it a higher tier, only because of that. But I do respect New Japan as a sport within itself. Um. And then we, um, New Japan is uh, is 48 years old. Um, more prominent thing is that they also have, um, they've had multiple deals with, throughout the years of different companies, such as Ring of Honor, NWA, to have and have talent work with in their in their companies and within other companies. Um, it was also founded by Antonio Inoki who also wrestled at the same time when he first started a company, which I thought was kind of strange that he was running a company and wrestling, but kudos to him. And I mean, it's not a rarity nowadays for wrestlers to do that. I mean, hell, Vince McMahon has fucking wrestled and he's held the world title multiple times. True that. And now Cody and the Young Bucks and Kenny and Anybody else in the elite who owns AEW, I mean, they're still technically wrestling. They also came through Ring of Honor and New Japan. Mm-hmm. So, hey, Kenny Omega's the dumbass. He's the one who burnt bridges with fucking New Japan. So, 
and I, I, I don't want it to take to fail, but if it does, everyone else will be welcome back in if you can, but him. Well, I, I don't think Kenny's dumb. I, I think Kenny thought that was the best for him. Plus, the way Kenny talks and the way he operates, I feel like he's on his way out. Like, he's he's almost done. You think he'll retire within the next few years? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be in front of the camera much longer. And the only, only reason why I say that is because how... I just feel like he's just not going to be... Not going to be there long. I think Kenny's going to be gone. I'd say maybe three, four years. He's got to fade to the back. Oh, yeah, and he just ain't last that long. Fade to the back, I'm telling you. Let's see what happens. Okay. So, um, Alexis touched a little bit on NWA's history earlier, so I'm just going to elaborate a little bit more. This is actually one of the oldest um, promotions that I found, and along with Triple A, oh no, actually I thought Triple A was older than what it is, but um, actually no, it's the oldest one, and it's officially 71 years old at the combined time that there's been an NWA, and the funny thing enough, it was originally membership-based. Really? Yeah, so there's a board of directors consisting of regional um, promoters regional promoters and wrestlers so you couldn't wrestle for nwa for a very and i mean this is very recently this is up until 2012 unless you are picked by the membership board but oh actually no it was gone by the it was gone by the 80 yes um kind of started phasing out sort of in the 80s but the membership thing was completely defunct by the 2012s but now it's morphed into the promotion that we have today so it's a little bit old school a little bit something new but that's what I thought was very interesting that's that's I, very interesting yeah, I never I would knew, have that I'm not surprised because it was a territory and then quite a few territories did that but I was surprised that this lasted for as long as it did. So that's why yeah. everyone was always excited when they said they were going to NWA. Yes, because you had mm. to get chosen. You couldn't just the get chosen booked. ones were in NWA. Yeah, I see. That explains a lot. Suck on that, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, you have also AAA, which is one of my. Um, favorites and it's 20 is about 28 29 years old and it was um a fa- it was founded by Antonia Pena who unfortunately passed away a couple years ago but the good thing is his sister and brother-in-law have taken over running for the running the company so his sister so his sister does is in charge of all of like the financial stuff and all that and while his brother-in-law and his nephew um, run the front end of things. All right. But obviously, the most prevalent it's basically a huge showcasing of lucha libre style, and it's also the only main tier promotion that still has a hexagon ring. Because, like I said, it's very sports 
uh, sports-orientated company as well because the style of wrestling that they use. And also, um, they had a small working relationship with WWE in the late 90s, but it didn't really come of anything besides a bunch of luchadors getting used in a Royal Rumble in 97. Mm. And the uh, little people wrestlers. Yeah, and the little people wrestlers, they also came from AAA. And then we have, which is one of our favorites over here, is um, MLW, which technically was first um, bought together. Well, still Court Bauer, but it was technically first brought into fruition of June of 2002, but closed two years later um, off of having insufficient funds to be able to run a company. So, and came back, revived itself to 2017 with the motto of hybrid wrestling. So, again, he's, um, their standpoint is to show as much wrestling, a much different type of wrestling as possible. So, that's them partnering with AAA, um, having, they're grabbing quite a few MMA fighters there. Um, Tom Lawler, who is like a huge fixture within a company itself, is also a mixed martial artist as well, along with being a professional wrestler. And it's them showcasing all the different types of wrestling as possible. I will I will briefly mention Lucha Underground, only because, like, I think I tweeted about this before. We always talk about Lucha Underground, but. I think it really helped shape modern wrestling more than what people think and know. And I think it'll be more prevalent as the years go on, probably like 10, 15, 20 years by now. But Lucha Underground was um, a luchador style, sort of like like a weird TV show hybrid soap opera. Soap opera. Yeah, it was like a Spanish, it was basically, like, the premise was basically a telenovela with wrestling, pretty much. And think of it this way, how many, how many people that, if you watch, if you watch Lucha Underground, how many people have gone on from that company, and, you know, you, you see them now, like, that's where I got introduced to Taya Valkyrie, and then I started following what she was doing, then. And I, that's when I realized J- John Morrison still wrestled. And, and like, that's where I met, when that's where I first saw Brian Cage. So, I mean, it's like, look at the guys who, who wrestled there. And their women division was freaking rad, man. Like, they didn't have a women's title because women fucked the guys. But that women's division was fucking awesome. Like, I miss, I miss Lucha Underground. And if I don't get a Prince Puma and a Johnny Mundo freaking rematch in WWE, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Again. Yeah, I well, you might be also, crying. Yeah. No, I think they will <laughs> eventually. But I just want to give a quick shout out to Lucha Underground. I didn't want to get too much into it because technically it's a dead brand and I didn't want to give too much breath because there's just so many stuff to something that unfortunately technically doesn't exist anymore. Out of mo- out of all the brands that are dead, though, it has the biggest cult following. Yes, like 
It's very, very large. It's like some, it's even bigger than ECW. A lot of people, the younger crowd didn't know about ECW, but they had a co-following with um, Lucha Underground. A lot of people still watch it. It's on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, you definitely should, especially if you like seeing people die. Also, it's um, if you have a Fire Stick, Roku, all that good stuff, it's also on Crackle all four seasons. And Crackle is free. Is yeah, it? it has commercials, but it's free. So it's like, whatever. Get over it. Um, and then also, and then I have like my third tiers. No one go in our comments and yell at me because there's so many different wrestlings and I'm not, I'm, it's like, I'm not going to name everything. It's just too much going on. But um, my main third tiers that I really, that are, I think are more prevalent and a lot of people should check out and really add to like the culture of wrestling as a whole, especially modern wrestling is CZW, which is, yeah, which you find a lot of your favorite hardcore people there, like Moxley and Mance Warner and all and all sorts of people. And then you have ICW, Progress Wrestling, Evolve. Um, and then you have Reality of Wrestling, which is also Booker T's um, wrestling promotion that he runs his school through. Um, Championship Wrestling, which is also it's on Fight TV, and you guys should really ke- um, check it out. Um, Capital Wrestling. Um, Shimmer stardom and riot girls and the last three that i um named are all female promotions and if you mm-hmm. don't watch any of these at least watch stardom you will never regret it i promise you some of the best best wrestling out there and then obviously there's so many different types of wrestling styles hundreds and hundreds and hundreds but what i did is narrowed it down to what is used most and also the most that she would like here. Mm-hmm. So my first one, this is kind of a weird one. So it's called Peruso. I'm probably saying this wrong. So whoever knows Japanese, this is the Japanese word for pro wrestling. And it's more leading towards like, it's what they created to appeal more towards the U.S. audiences. This is sort of like one New Japan was sort of hybriding to be try to become more mainstream or expand. I don't want to say mainstream, but expand more. And it's more um, sports oriented and it concentrates more of the psychology of the ring, which is something that is very lacking nowadays <laughs> and more of like a street fright. So it's not like MMA, which is very like clean and striking, but it's more of like nitty gritty concentrating more of what they call the spirit of the spirit and the persistence of the fighter and that's more of their one of their purest forms and deriving from that is strong style strong style you will hear till your ears bleed literally style anymore i really don't (laughs) like you would hear it all, all the time so the technical term for strong strong style is basically wrestling that is fused with MMA. And by fused by MMA, it's more submission heavy, um, 
striking kicks, striking blows, um, a little bit more high impact. So, again, strong style. It's literally a term that's used to death nowadays in pro wrestling. I never want to hear a strong style again. Best, but, best example for current audience members, um, Shinsuke Nakamura. He's basically the king of strong style. Like, he is the best at it. But mm-hmm. ev- everyone nowadays is like, oh, he's using strong style. He's using strong style. Like, no, um, he's not. No. <laughs> another. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, Asuka is another good example. Mm hmm. Uh, early in his career, Samoa Joe was very strong style um, influenced. You could tell by the way he moved and acted, like his submission moves and everything. Like this dude was gonna fucking hurt you. Um, if you want to get technical on um, Daniel Bryan, I don't want to call him a strong style wrestler because I think he uses a bit a bit of everything, but that consists of majority of his move sets. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. Yeah. So we have those two, which are like the most intertwined, and that's like the mo- I think that's more of the most popular form of wrestling that people use. And then, of course, we have our favorite, um, hardcore wrestling. Yay! Yeah, no, that ain't mine. <laughs> hardcore wrestling right. is literally, literally anything goes. Basically, they like watch people die. No, okay. I'm, yes, they do. Just, don't listen I'm, to them. They do. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to be real quick about hardcore. This is why I don't condone this backyard bullshit, because at least with a hardcore match, like, there's a setup to it. Like, nowadays, yeah, hardcore was really a thing. Like, ECW brought it crazy and all that. But, like, the thing, and CZW is kind of like the unofficial torch-carrying brother of uh, ZZW. Yeah. But here's the thing. CZW, a lot of it, they're they're trying to get away. They still do the hardcore stuff, but they're trying to get mm-hmm. away from it. It was the same with ECW back in the day. Not every match was like blood and explosions and all that. Like, they had like Tajiri and fucking all the guys from Japan come down there and Tajiri was doing shit that, and, that nobody had seen before. Fucking have to have a fucking kind tie before they became joke acts wrestled in ECW and those guys were good I'm like why couldn't they let them do this in WWE I don't have no idea why probably but, safety probably because they were going fucking crazy with, and you know um, but nowadays it's like hardcore is kind of used as like <clears throat> the last like we have to end this feud we keep one upping each other like this is it and it's done peacefully. People don't get hurt. It's not like these assholes nowadays who are like, oh, hardcore matches are fucked up. Dude, take a look at Devon Dudley's head. Look at that man's forehead. <laughs> head don't- got, look at Abdullah the Butcher's head. Oh, my God. His head looked like mint meat. We don't talk about Abdullah. That guy's a fucking asshole. Same yeah, way as he's- So, um, I, hardcore wrestling nowadays, it's, it's they, you can tell it's it's not as Wild West yeehaw as it used to be, but I think it's still it's extreme. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, hell, you still have Jimmy Havoc with a fucking staple gun shooting people in the thigh and then taking paper and giving them paper cuts in between his fingers. Mm-mm. Like, now, see, you can your ass whoop me do that. All right. 
that hurts me more to watch than a dude falling in thumbtacks. Now, Joey Janela walking in the fucking thumbtacks. That shit sent too. me over. I'm like, nah. Like, I got, nope. I almost threw up at that. But uh, just hardcore, it's it's not just about bashing people's fucking heads over or, or cutting them open. I think that just shows, like, this is the respect that you have for each other and that you're willing to do this to not only perform, but to do this and trust the person who's going to take the fucking cheese grater and grate it on your forehead. I respect the craft of it. I understand it. I just, I'm not, I'm not, I, I can't. It's not your bag, and that's completely if fine. They, if they, if some of the matches were not, like, I've seen some ECW matches where there wasn't a lot of blood or weaponry involved, and I was fine with that. It's just that sometimes when you don't have to play by the same rules that the mainstream companies do, it goes there, and some of those guys went there. Now, I will say this. When I watched the match from Lucha Underground with Dante Fox and Killshot, as you progress, you could see that there was a story being told in the midst of all this chaos. I dealt with that. I just... It's an initial shock. I'm not used to seeing that kind of shit. So for me, it's just like instant freak out. Like, I need to change the channel, but I can't. Because <laughs> I need to see this to the end because now I'm halfway through it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like they, I know one of them is dead. I just know that he was dead. I was sure of it. Because I was like, after the glass and his back. And I'm like, I hope you got paid for this. I really, I really, really do. Just, it was freaking me out. Be a favor, kids, and don't just say, I want to be a hardcore wrestler just because you want to be an asshole and hit people with uh, with uh, LED lights cause I'm, or fluorescent tube lighting because I'm going to tell you, you're going to hit the wrong fucking person and you are going to get, you're, you're going to get killed. That shit is dangerous, by the way. The uh, um, chemicals in them lights is <laughs> dangerous. You could kill yourself, you could kill somebody else. Like, you shouldn't be messing around with them lights like that. So, if I was y'all, just sit there and watch the shit on TV and leave it at that. Yeah, don't do it in your backyard. Okay, Nicole, sorry. No, you're fine. And just to, just to cap off of hardcore wrestling, obviously, it's use of any type of weapons that can be used inside of wrestling ring. No rules whatsoever. Um, hardcore matches could be inside of a ring or out in a field or in the middle of a bar or whatever. And I think that's the beauty of some hardcore matches. I And it also uh, falls under the same umbrella as no ring matches, which is another form of hard, hardcore matches, which I absolutely love. I love no ring matches. I always wanted to see a wrestling, like a wrestling uh, match in an aquarium for some reason. What? Like, I don't know why. I just thought that would be for? <laughs> fucking entertaining. Like, it, you know, like. So all water can break and kill everybody? Because that's pretty much what's going to happen. Well, okay, first off, they'd ask permission for the fucking aquarium, but it's like. You know, just fucking two guys duking out in front of the shark. Like, you know, they wouldn't be around the upper part of it. 
Like two guys duking <laughs> it out in the shark tank, and like one of them's afraid of sharks. So like he's freaking out and trying to run away from it. They use oh, the geez. touch the stuff. Like they like one of the wrestlers can really be freaked out by touching stuff. So like that tense moment when they're trying to, the other one's trying to put their hand in a touch tank. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. So we also have, this is something that obviously I think people are going to be the least familiar about, but it's starting to gain a lot more traction and start to become a little bit more known, and it's called Catch Heat, which translates into voodoo wrestling. And it originates in the Congo. And on and funnily enough, which I found, it is the second most popular sport in the Congo besides soccer. That's crazy. I thought it would be basketball. You think so too? But it's the um, it's kind of of emerge. It's basically emergence of traditional uh, traditional African wrestling and old old um, time religious. Um, practices and then was kind of built off of professional wrestling getting popular in that area and sort of a rebelling because there's a time where old ways slash old practices was banned in the Congo by the government so it was kind of like a rebellion against that but um Catchy also operates under hardcore hardcore rules and you can you literally use everything from a baseball bat to live animals to spell casting. Oh, what? Spellcasting? Oh, Lord Jesus. What is this fucking D&D? Didn't she Basically. say it was voodoo? Yes. It was voodoo wrestling, so. Okay, y'all. Keep y'all spirits where the fuck y'all at. That's all I'm yeah, saying. And also, saying. if you guys want to see more about this, um, I can't think of his name, but he's so good. Um, he does a lot of like wrestling. Um, he does a lot of wrestling documentary stuff with Vice, but there it's on YouTube and just Google voodoo wrestling. It's like forty five minutes or something. It's very interesting. Oh, um, that's cool. And then catch wrestling, which also is another name for. It's basically the origin of British strong style, or when people say catch wrestling. Um, in general. So this is more of the European base. This is the wrestling that I really like. So it's more grappling and it's more towards and like Alexa was talking about this is the origins in the 1800s. So back in the carny days of wrestling this is the start. This is what they were doing is catch wrestling. So again it's more grappling um, a lot of holds a lot of brawling. A lot, again, it's a, a lot of um, submissions, and it mostly, and it leads more into a- amateur wrestling. So when you think about wrestling in like high school with like tights and like a circle, so this is kind of like a hybrid of it, basically. Cool. And then I will also, and then the last one I'm gonna go over is. Lucha Libre slash freestyle wrestling. So Lucha Libre um, is basically, obviously, probably the most popular form of wrestling nowadays whatsoever. And Lucha Libre is translated 
a free fight. So it's kind of like a anything goes pretty much. So it incorporates crazy moves, flips, anything that you can think of. So it's more of, I want to say more of an abstract form of wrestling. And you have a lot of superstars nowadays use Lucha Libre, such as it might not be actual luchas, but a lot of them did get trained in that. So, um, Taya Valkyrie, mm-hmm. Taya Valkyrie technically is a fully trained luchadora because that's where she she literally moved to Mexico with like two dollars, sleeping on the floors, learning how to wrestle in Mexico. Um, actually, funny enough, her husband John Morrison is another one. You can think of Rick Fichet, and obviously, like, the people who use the luchas nowadays that, you know, like Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio, both Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio Jr. and the first Rey Mysterio, um, both La Parkas, um, well, no, that's Japanese, um, literally anybody, (laughs) literally Ricochet, um, Gosh, so many this people. Crazy. Andrade. God, man. Juventud Guerrera. Huh? Juventud Guerrera? Yeah, anybody who's, whose last name is a Guerrero or Guerrera. You probably, you probably do lucha. That sounded really messed up. But you guys know what I mean. Psychosis. Yeah. Don't start that shit with me, guys. But <laughs> I I love lucha and I love lucha libre wrestling. The history behind it is just so amazing, and the respect level is just like because they don't treat this like you know it's oh it's it's just like you it's like oh let's go let's go last minute WWE's in town. It's like no they plan this shit like out. They're like you know what we're gonna put on our Sunday best. We're gonna go out to eat. Then we're going to go to AAA, and we're going to see this, and we're going to go crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. it's the respect that they have. And it's like when um, when Eddie passed away, the respect that they show the Guerrero family, that was just amazing. But that's pretty much the gist of a lot of the promotions and different types of wrestling. Obviously, there's five million more, but... I tried to, I basically picked the ones that are that are fans, I don't want to say fans, that's so stupid, our listeners would hear us say the most of, and that's something. So catch wrestling is something, so honestly, catch wrestling is used a lot in MLW. A lot of these are significant to promotions, um, like you would never hear catch wrestling you specifically mm-hmm. in WWE but they will say they usually that's what they call British strong style uh, okay it's catch wrestling but that's what it is but flip side on MLW they will literally call it catch wrestling and uh, lucha is a lucha everywhere so that they will never that's something that's never going to get butchered and botched up and um 
Same from thing with strong style. Honestly, also, if you know someone who has ADD, because I have a small part of it, have them watch Lucha Libre Wrestling, and they will have to, the their attention span will just go directly to it. Because you you can't blink, you have to watch it so intense. Because if you blink, you miss. Because it just goes. I love. I think it's just the speed and how fast it goes, and the crazy moves they pull out, and they are not afraid to go fucking crazy. I love it. And the air horns. That's that kind. Of, that really, that kind of takes me out. Like we were talking about that earlier. That kind. Of, that's what distracts you. That's why I can't watch a lot of triple A pay per views because it's just too much going on. It's like. There's so, like craziness going on in ring, like everyone's flipping in and out, and it's just like like a madhouse. And then you have people screaming on commentary, and then That's... there's like some other weird shit going on in the background somewhere, and then you ha- hear air horns. It's like a fucking soccer game, dude. Yeah, and it's like and it's like for four. It was and it's for and it's like the whole time too. It's not like. This is all, this is, like, a whole, so that it's, like, very chaotic, so, like, not quite quite a few people I know, like, can't watch AAA stuff. Like, they can watch, like, when they have, like, smaller shows, but they, like, literally cannot watch their pay-per-views because it's just too much. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about New Japan as, like, regular episodes like I can't watch it like it's too much but I'll watch like like Wrestle Kingdoms and all that good stuff but I can't, I can't just I can't just watch Lucha Underground no. just not Lucha New Japan just to watch it he has anxiety understandable alright folks so I hope you guys enjoyed the Wrestling 101 episode and of course we have some other episodes for you guys to listen to so on behalf um, we want to say thanks to Dre for being a guest on the episode. Unfortunately, I think he had to drop out. So Hello. next time we'll get you back in and you can do a proper send off. But we appreciate every single one of you guys for listening. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Big, big shout out to Dre for being our first guest. Hey. And it's like, what? Where is the first episode of the year? So like, totally awesome (laughs) it's the first season of the podcast officially and we got some more stuff coming so be on the lookout for that take advantage of the social media we're always going to put that up there for you guys to see should be displayed across your screen right now and i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you guys next time bye bye bye